from the Brainswell Media Studios, this is the Sales Training World broadcast with your sales coach, Ryan Dorn. Ryan is an Emmy winner, a certified business coach, and a 25-year sales and marketing veteran. He has trained over 4,000 sales professionals in seven countries, and he still sells today. No fluff, no bull. Tactical and practical sales and business advice to help your business go places you never thought possible. Welcome to Sales Training World. Now, your sales coach, your business coach, your host, Ryan Dorn. You have found it. If you live in the world of sales, you are a citizen of the sales world. You have found the Sales Training World podcast. Thrilled to have you here. Going to talk about some great stuff today. Coming up on the show, we've got business book author Brian Margolis. His book is The Index Card Business Plan for Sales Pros and Entrepreneurs. So glad to have Brian here with us. And we'll be talking with him about all kinds of amazing strategies to improve your sales life. Then as promised in the promo, nine phone tips to expand your sales game. I'm going to dig deep with one of my clients on nine things that we're doing now different than ever before to get some good action, some good conversations with our sales prospects. And of course, my favorite part of the show are listener questions. Send them in, ryan at ryandorn.com, ryan at ryandorn.com, D-O-H-R-N. And if you're featured on the show here, we're going to send you a Sales Training World t-shirt. They're, they're really cool shirts, by the way. <laughs> so today we're featuring questions from Mark in the Minneapolis, St. Paul area. Joy, your question is going to be featured from Fresno, California. Glenn from the upstate, Albany, New York. We've got your questions all coming up as well. And of course, uh, we'll be talking to a business strategist and sales expert, Brian Margolis, coming up here in just a couple of minutes. Big thank you to our sponsor of the Ad Sales Nation podcast and the Sales Training World podcast right here, and that is Open Look Business Solutions. If you're looking to outsource those tedious sales tasks, maybe it's data management, maybe it's cleaning up your email list. Hey, maybe you need somebody to make some phone calls for you. Check out the fine folks over at Open Look Business Solutions, open-look.com, open look.com. Hey, you heard me mention the Ad Sales Nation podcast. Some of you first started listening to Sales Training World, and we didn't have a separate podcast just for those of you in the media sales business, which is where I really kind of cut my teeth. Of course, now I train people in 15 different uh, sectors uh, of sales, but if you're in the media business, we've got a podcast just for you. It's called Ad Sales Nation, so you can check that out on iTunes or over at 360 adsales.com. But for the rest of us in all these other industries, 15 some odd different sectors, we're going to be talking today about nine phone tips to expand your sales game. Now, for those of you that don't know me, um, I, I teach and I train and I coach salespeople, but I'm actively selling event sponsorships, media, software, you name it, machinery. I mean, you, you name it. I'm working constantly in the sales business. So I spend about 50% of my time training and coaching the other 50% of my time selling products out on the street, just like all of you. So I spend a lot of time on the phone working with my clients um, in uh, Cleveland. I came up with a nine things that we felt like we needed to do different things that we were, could do better as related to our phone skills. Now, I think it's important to recognize that if you're not picking up the phone, you're missing out. If you're sending a lot of emails, you're not following best practices in the sales business. You're just not. Grasshopper Research, look them up online. They've said this statistic. You are 10 times 
more likely to close a sales deal on the phone. So pick up the phone. So let's walk through these nine phone tips to really expand your sales game. One of the things we noticed is that we were getting a lot of the same things over and over again when we were cold calling or reaching out to past clients. And we were getting things along the line of, I have no budget, my budget is already spent, uh, we're already committed or contracted, things like that. So tip number one of nine, I like to say the exact opposite of what that prospect is expecting. And the reason that I do that is because I really want to throw them off their game a little bit in an effort to be ethical, but create a better conversation. So if they said to me, I have no budget, my response might be, how about a great idea? And then I just stop and I don't expand further. How about a great idea? So if someone was to say to me as an example, hey, I'm already contracted, I'm already committed. Not a problem. Do you have time for a great idea? Or if they say, I'm already contracted, I'm already committed, what if I could save you some serious money? So I want to say kind of exactly the opposite of what they would expect. Remember, sales wimps give up. See, a lot of times I'm working with somebody and I'm like, oh man, you are being a sales wimp. We do need to be bold in the sales business. Now, we want to be ethical, but we are going to need to have some guts. So you might need to work out a little bit on that. All right, number one, say the opposite of what's expected. Number two, I like to use this one. It's called, I have the problem game, or could I get some feedback from you? But typically I call it, I have a problem. So what I might say to a prospect, if I get them on the phone, they're not really that engaged with me. I might say, I I was calling because I've got a problem and I'd love to get some advice. Maybe get your feedback on something. Now they might say, I don't know you and you don't know me. So why would you ever want feedback from me? Well, I really identified looking on LinkedIn that you actually are somebody that I'd love to get some input on. We're launching a new product or a new service or whatever the circumstance is. And I'd love to find out if it's something that would be of interest to you or if you really feel like it'd be something of interest to the industry as a whole. It's called the I have a problem game or I need to get some advice from you or I'd like to get some advice. Why does it work? It works, I think, because people like to give advice. They like to give feedback. Now, you might be saying, Ryan, that's disingenuous. If, if, if they don't know you, why would they want to give you advice? Trust me on this. <laughs> people love to give their opinion. And so because of that, you can say, I've got a problem. I'd love to get your feedback. I'd love to get your opinion on something. Now, if they say, hey, I'm interested in it. Why don't you sell it to me? Okay, rock and roll. If they're not interested, after you've spoken with them, at least you've had an opportunity to explain what it was you were calling about. Maybe it'll pique their interest for a further sale down the road. All right, number one, say the opposite. Number two, play the I have a problem game. Number three, I like to assign my prospects a label, and then I want to make them live up to that label. So what do I mean by that? I might say something like, hey, Bob, as a market leader, hey, Bob, as a thought leader, hey, Julie, as a major player in the industry, hey, Mark, as an industry veteran. So what I'm doing is I'm labeling them and interjecting those labels into the conversation. Now, this probably isn't the first time you've heard this piece of advice. Most people just don't do it. Later on in the conversation, when they say to me uh, things like, I don't have any money, I'm already contracted or whatever, I might then reinforce that label. Well, it's interesting you say that, John, because as a market leader, I would have expected that you would have felt this way or, or that way. 
So I like to give my prospects a label because also if it's a positive label, it will reinforce it kind of massages their ego. So that's number three phone tip for me to really expand my sales game. I, I assign my prospects a label. Now, number four is important. Direct your spot, your prospects to learning online. Direct your prospects to online learning if you're taking notes. What do I mean by that? I would say eight out of 10 salespeople that I'm coaching actively will end the conversation with, dun, 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 I'll send you some follow-up. That's a bad thing. No follow-up if it can be avoided. Instead, as I have someone on the phone, I'm actively working with them and saying, are you in front of your computer? I am. May I send you this PDF via email? Can we look at it together? When a prospect says to me, hey, just send me over some sales information, I'll take a look at it. My response, hey, I'll do you one better. Let me send it to you right now because it's probably going to raise some questions and I'd love to be able to answer those questions for you. Direct them to online links. Meet with them with GoToMeeting so that you can actually share your screen with them. Direct your prospects to learning while you have them on the phone. Don't follow up. Don't do follow-up information because most of the time, the email you send is just going to do the inbox drift. It's just going to drift down their inbox. So that's number four of nine. Number five, I always set the agenda of the call and I stay in control. Now, I try to focus in on three things. So I'll say, hey, Bob, thanks for the the phone call today and the time. Number one, I'd like to share some examples of other businesses like yours that are doing great with our solution. Number two, I'd like to show you some new ideas I think that you're going to love. And number three, I'd like to figure out if what I've shared with you is a good fit for what you guys are trying to accomplish. So the fifth tip I can share with you is set an agenda and stay in control of that call to the best of your ability. Number six of nine. I a lot of times will say, especially if I'm cold calling, hey, Bob, I've got just one quick question for you. Or, hey, Mark, I was just calling about two simple things. Or, hey, Jan, I was calling about one simple thing. And the reason that I do that is because I want to put an end to the phone call before the call begins. So you might think about it this way. Psychologically, I am triggering that person to know that if they'll give me just a couple seconds, I'm only asking them one or two things. Now, the conversation might lead beyond that, but by giving somebody a psychological trigger that this conversation is going to be over pretty quick, they're a lot more likely to give you attention to detail. It's called attention time. They're a lot more likely to give you some attention time if you give them a finality. If you don't, if you call them and just blindly start talking, they really don't know how long the call is going to last and so because of that, they're probably like, ah, man, I don't, I don't really know that um, I, I, I want to give um, as much time as you need, Ryan, to this, to this conversation. All right, seven of nine, record your calls. Record them. Now, I know this takes a little bit of guts. Don't be a sales wimp. Grab your iPhone or use a piece of technology like record a call or whatever. Set your phone next to you and record yourself. Humble yourself. Open yourself up to some constructive criticism. If you want to get better at the phone game, you're going to have to open yourself up to some constructive criticism. So maybe your boss isn't the best coach. Maybe it's a colleague. Maybe just listen back yourself. You will be surprised, amazed at how horrible you sound. So (laughs) record yourself. Get good with that. Accept feedback. That's when you begin to grow. All right, number eight of nine, nine phone tips to expand your sales game. Number eight, 
Can I ask you one last question before I hang up? It's a tool that I've been using for years. I don't remember who shared it with me. It might have been Carnegie. It might have been Zig. I mean, who knows who it was? Can I ask you one last question before I hang up? And most of the time, people will say, yeah. So it gives you one last opportunity to either move the conversation forward, control the follow-up for the next meeting, whatever the circumstance is. Can I ask you one last question before I hang up? And then last but not least, number nine, on all of my sales calls, I always go back to value. Remember, it's all about value. It doesn't matter what you're selling, whether you're selling tires or you're selling septic tank pumps. It it does not matter. I know that was a little bit of a a dichotomy there, wasn't it? (laughs) It always goes back to value. Recognize when the perceived value of a product or service exceeds the price that you're asking, that's when prospects buy. When the perceived value exceeds the price, that's typically when people buy. When the value and the price are the same, you're at about a 50-50 chance. When the perceived value is lower than the price, you'll have a hard time selling it. So always, always, always go back to value. Do you find value in what I presented? Do you find value in our solution? Do you find value in our product? Can you see how our product might fix that problem for you? Or how our software solution might impact this problem for you? Or by buying this part from us as opposed to somebody else could help you in terms of managing your budgets. It's all about value. All right, so the nine tips to expand your sales game. Number one, say the opposite of what's expected. Number two, play the I have a problem game. Can I get some advice from you? Number three, assign your prospects a label, market leader, thought leader, industry veteran, industry icon, or whatever. Number four, always be directing your prospects to learning during the call, sharing PDFs, things like that. Don't send follow-up if you can send it during the call. Number five, set the agenda of the call, control it. Number six, I was calling about just two simple things. Set an end to the call before the call begins. Number seven, record your calls if you're going to grow. Number eight, can I ask you one last question before we hang up the phone? And then number nine, always, always, always go back to value. It's so important. Hey, friends, every time we get together, I try to give you some sales training advice that will help you grow your sales game. That's what the sales training world is all about. Join us online at salestrainingworld.com. Read the blog, listen to the podcast, and hey, love to come to your office and train your team or come to your sales conference and motivate and inspire your sales team to huge success. All right, we've got listeners' questions coming up from Mark in Minneapolis. Joy in Fresno Glen in Albany. Uh, But before we get to that, I have an awesome guest that I'd love for you to meet. His name is Brian Margolis, and uh, he's a great author. He's a business strategist. Brian, if you don't mind, share with folks a little bit about yourself, your background, and and where all this information is coming from. Yeah, so I I probably didn't get here the way most people do. I started off as a, actually an environmental scientist, a biologist that was in, in my past life. And I was just someone who always wanted to work for myself, kind of chart my own course. So I quickly, after a lot of schooling and all that kind of stuff and learning all the big words, uh, I had a short career doing that. And then I switched into becoming an entrepreneur, started one business, started another business. And I think like most people that are entrepreneurs for long enough, I've had some really good successes and I've had some really big failures and (laughs) everything in between. And uh, after I sold one of my businesses back in 2013 and kind of wrapped up another one, 
I, uh, something that I had figured out for myself, which is what we're going to talk about today, I started sharing with some other friends and, and colleagues, and it kind of morphed into this when I saw them getting the results that, that I had gotten, um, the demand started going up. And so I started doing some consulting, some coaching, and it's been a fun ride. One of the things I really liked uh, about your book is the simplistic approach uh, to being able to manage and, and grow your sales business, your sales life, or, you know, or your business. So really, where did, um, you know, the idea uh, behind the index car card business plan, where did that really come from? Well, you're talking to patient zero. I mean, I, you know, I was a mess and it was funny, but it was only years later that I discovered so is pretty much everyone else, right? That, you know, we, when we're first starting, we work a lot of hours, we kind of mm-hmm. go, go, go. And, and we keep trying to do more, do more, figure out what the magic formula is. And, you know, it was just something I kind of worked out for myself and, you know, ultimately, realized that a very simplistic strategy was going to get me a a lot further. And what I realized when I, when I started dealing with salespeople and entrepreneurs was that their level of success and my level of success at any given time was usually a result of, you know, you combine their work ethic with their sales skills, their natural talents, and that's kind of their level of success. And that's fine. Uh, For some people that's enough. But if you want to go to the next level, you know, you need a strategy. And what I realized was either most people don't have any strategy, Mm -hmm. right? They think they have a strategy, but they don't really have a strategy or they have the wrong strategy. They have the kind of strategy or system that's just really designed to get stuff done. Right. Right. You know, as opposed to getting results. And although that feels like a strategy, it's not. There's no there's no relationship between how much money you make and. (laughs) <laughs> how much things you cross off your list. Yeah. I've got um, a lot of folks that'll say, Ryan, I'd really just want, just give me the silver bullet, you know, take me the shortest possible path. And I think it's because that there's this mentality that um, you can work smarter and not harder. And a part of that is, is actually true because the, the ideas defined and outlined in your book are about being smarter about things. But the other piece is success. A lot of it is very, very hard work as well. So I don't think you can be smart and not work hard. And I think that you can't um, just work hard and not be smart. There's a gentle combination of both. And what I love about the book is being able to isolate this down so that everybody's on the same page as we talk with Brian about this, isolating down your business strategy or your sales life strategy down to an index card. Was there something behind the index card, though? Were you saying to yourself in advance, hey, if you can fit it on an index card, we'll be successful? Or did that come because of something else. No, that would, I'm kind of a low tech guy. I mean, I use technology. I use technology as a weapon. There's no doubt about it, you know, automation and technology and when it's the right thing to do. But to be honest, I've always just been, I enjoy planning my day on paper Mm -hmm. and I enjoy planning my week on paper. And there's something, there's a good feeling to me about crossing things off when they're the right things. And so, you know, the index card is metaphorical. I mean, a lot of my clients do use the index card and I certainly use it. But, you know, if it's a notepad or if it's something on your phone, that's sure. fine as well. Now it makes sense. Now, the book is all about using um, what you refer to as the pillar system. So maybe I think that's such mm-hmm. a obviously it's the uh, it's the core the foundation uh, of what you're teaching here in the book and what you teach your clients. So if you don't mind, just take a couple of minutes, explain, you know, what the pillar system is and really specifically what is a pillar. Sure. 
So what the pillar system is designed to do, it basically boils your entire sales business down to this set of weekly activities. And these okay. weekly activities we call pillars. Okay. And these activities, now they meet specific criteria, but this set of activities, it's short enough to fit on an index card and their completion is 100% in your control. So we, we boil everything you could be doing during the week down to this set of activities. And the idea is by completing these activities each week, you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that your business is moving in the right direction. Right and that's a good feeling to have when sometimes the only thing you can look at are short-term results. And so really what it comes down to is, listen, once I've identified my pillars correctly, as long as I do one, two, three, and four each week, everything else takes care of itself, right? Mm -hmm. These are the core activities, the things I control. And as long as I knock those out, everything else handles itself. It's just a matter of time and pressure. Man, that makes so much sense. I, I preach uh, from the pulpit, if you will, from the sales pulpit to to my clients. I like to manage uh, meeting activity because I just know that when you have a lot of meetings, typically you end up closing deals. If you don't have a lot of meetings, you, you tend to, to not close deals. And so I just love this, uh, you know, this kind of activity, activity management, but you refer to it also as focus management. Um, but before we get to that, um, do you want to walk through kind of what's, you know, uh, and, and define what some of these uh, core pillars are? Well, sure. And, and obviously it's unique for every person, right? What it, it depends on two things, right? The industry they're in, the, the situation they're in, right? Because, you know, different salespeople have, have different um, goals and different scenarios. But the thing about the pillars is it not only it's not only different between circumstances, but it's also based on, you know, your strengths and weaknesses. So, for example, I might ha I might have a client as a salesperson and their pillars might focus more heavily on what they do inside of the meeting. In other words, they have no problem getting meetings and getting in front of people. Sure. But their their sales ratio, their close ratio is not very high. Right on. So for for someone like that, we we focus have more heavily on, you know, making your message more effective, right? Spending time making your message more effective, or maybe for them it's about follow up. Mm -hmm. You know, they're, they're doing all the right things, but they're just not doing enough follow up. And in the reverse scenario, we may have someone that man when they get in front of someone, they can build the rapport, they can you know, tell the story, they can get the sale, but for them, they're just not in front of enough people. And so their pillars might be more biased toward prospecting activity, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. How many meetings they're scheduling a week. And, and so they really do, you know, vary, but for the most part, I mean, if you're a salesperson, the categories we're pulling from some kind of prospecting, right? Right. Follow up pillars, right? A lot of effective messaging, Okay. And, I, and I think this is important for salespeople to understand is, you know, activity is important, like you said, but not at the expense of being effective. And I, and I think a lot of salespeople only think of they're only working when they're driving to a meeting, doing a meeting, making dials. And the reality is, if you're not also prioritizing getting better, making your message more effective, things like that. Well, then, you know, your meetings aren't as strong. And, and so what we tend to define as work sometimes. And, and listen, I know a lot of salespeople don't have a boss sure. sitting in their office with them. Right. Right. 
But it's funny, like if your boss was to walk behind you and you were on the phone making dials or you were, you know, on your way out the door for a meeting or you were answering emails. Oh, look at John salesperson. You know, he's working. Right. But if they walk by your, your office and you were writing <laughs> on a blank, pad, you were writing on a blank pad or you were reading a book, they'd be like, what are you on your lunch break? And yet those things are extremely important. Yeah, right on. No, it makes perfect sense. The other thing I find that a lot of managers, sales managers focus so much on activity and they don't focus on being specific. So one of the pillars, if I was working with a client and I'm following your system correctly, if they were noticing that they weren't getting enough meetings, if we reviewed uh, their activity and their activity was high, we might say, hey, the reason one of your pillars need to, needs to be getting specific. So reaching out to clients in a very specific way about specific products or specific circumstances or specifics like that. Um, it, that could be a pillar, correct, that they would be focusing on each week. It's not just activity. It could be a focus point within that piece of activity. One hundred percent. You nailed it. Um, you know, and listen, I, I deal with managers, too. So I'm going to be nice and not say all <laughs> managers, not say all managers. Right. But but sometimes from a manager's point of view, the only thing when results aren't there, you know, they're not there with the salesperson. The only thing they can look at is activity. Right. And I think sometimes it's not about, for, again, if you're making a lot of calls and you're not getting the appointments, well, then we got to look at your messaging, right? right? Mm -hmm. and, and you need to spend time on getting your message, not to be good or be comfortable with the information. That's par for the course. You have to actually have an effective messaging. You know, I, I say a lot and I, and I think it rings true for almost everyone. There's only two reasons that a prospect or a potential customer won't meet with you. Either number one, you have nothing of value for them. Right. Or number two, you can't articulate that you do have something. Right. Right. Even if you do. Right. And so if you have nothing of value, well, you need to find a new product. You need to find a new job. But I, I think a lot of people struggle in that second part about how do you articulate very quickly this value? Right. And if you don't work on that week in and week out, you're not going to get the meetings. That makes sense. Now, um, a question for you is a pillar different than a goal? Very much. Okay. Yeah. Tell me more. So a goal might be, I want to, you know, sell $2 million a year in my product okay. or a goal. A goal might be, I want to every week, I want to schedule one of my top 50 prospects. Mm -hmm. Right. So mm -hmm. a goal is out of your control. It's a directional point, but you don't control it 100%. With pillars, these are lead indicators. These are activities that you control. And if you don't control them or they're not a what I call a predictable result, mm -hmm. then it's not a pillar. Got it. And so whether you hit your pillars or not is 100% in your control. Got it. Makes sense. Makes sense. Now you talk um, later on in the book, uh, you talk about the compounding effect. Um, can yeah. you explain to, uh, you know, to the listeners, what does the compounding effect mean as it relates to the to the pillar system? So the reality is that something like the pillars, right, for something to become a pillar, yes, you're going to have small wins week in and week out. But one of the reasons that that these important activities or pillars wind up getting is ignored is because a lot of times there's no immediate consequence for not doing them. Right. right. Mm -hmm. So in other words, if I if I say, oh, I'm going to prospect and I'm going to make X amount of touches or calls or emails every week. 
And this week you're kind of busy and you're kind of the urgent is keeping you going crazy, reactive, all that stuff. And you don't actually prospect this week. I mean, let's be honest, your paycheck's not going to change on Friday. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. But if you don't prospect week in and week out or you do one way or the other, the compounding effect of doing that is where the big results come from. Right. You know, I think the thing that most people relate to is fitness and diet. It's kind of the easy one. Yeah, exactly. And I always say in my seminars, I say, listen, if you leave this seminar and go eat a triple cheeseburger, (laughs) all right, you're not going to look any different in the mirror tonight. I promise you. Right. (laughs) And if you go out and you eat a kale salad with no dressing, you're not going to look any different. Right. Right. That's that's (laughs) the problem with things that work on the compound effect, both good and bad. Right. But you eat the cheeseburger every day versus the kale salad, the compounding effect, we know what that looks like, right? Yeah, exactly. And in business, it's the same thing. And and let's be honest, these are the things we procrastinate on. You know, I break down those activity categories in the book and I talk about the proactive and significant, these things that are important to your business but require you to be proactive because there's no immediate consequence. Any salesperson or entrepreneur that comes to me and says, I have a problem, it's always in that category, Got it. whether they understand that it is or not. Yeah. And they always, and what's interesting to me is the number of people that say, they come to me as a new client and they'll say, no, listen, I have a very unique problem. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and usually, um, usually the problem, you know, is, is not unique. Now, so this could apply whether you're prospecting, whether you're hosting meetings, the pillars could apply to retention activities. Um, I mean, basically any part uh, of the business. So I guess as you're beginning to work with people, how do you get them kind of focused in on what their, if you will, what their pillars really need to be? Yeah, I mean, I do it through a series of three questions. Mm -hmm. And what we do when we I ask those three questions and we start kind of making a laundry list of all the potential pillars. That's our starting point. And, you know, the first question, which is is pretty pretty ubiquitous is, you know, what's one thing you already know how to do effectively. Okay. That if you just did more of, or were more consistent with would have the biggest impact on your business. Okay. And that makes perfect sense. And and so for example, that could be follow-up. Okay. You might not be the greatest at follow-up. You're not a master on every call, but you know how to do it effectively. If you, if you follow up enough, you're going to get a result. Well, a lot of people will say, yeah, that's something I need to do more consistently, right? I need to do more of. Um, in the second question is, what's one skill that if I significantly improved on would have the biggest impact on my business, even if Ooh. nothing else changed? Ooh, I like that. And, and I'll tell you this, the, the key, and I say this in the book, but the key to getting better at a skill, because let's be honest, there is no shortage of information out there. Absolutely I mean, not. You, You can get good at anything. Right on. I always love these $1,500 seminars. And then I tell people, you realize they put all that in their book, right? For (laughs) $1,299. Exactly. The information, you can get better at anything. I mean, you can build a trampoline from scratch if you want via YouTube, right? Exactly. But here's the the thing about the learning pillar or answering this question. If you're going to spend time to get better at something, before you invest any time, make sure it's the right thing. Sure. And so you want to pick something. It's not that you can't get better in a lot of areas. We all can. But what is that one area that if you did get better in, 
would have the biggest impact, right? It's kind of that bottleneck. Everything right. else would get easier. Yeah. And that could be a coaching and call in and of itself, right? That could be a that could be a full hour-long conversation of nailing that down just in and of itself. All the time. It, it is. And then the last the last question is, you know, what is something I could organize, plan, or create prior to taking action that would make the action much more effective? And, and so an example answer to that is, you know, if you took the time to create, let's just call it for, you know, a hit list every mm-hmm. week. Okay. In other words, I'm not just going to make 50 calls or reach out to 50 people. I'm going to actually figure out in a perfect world who the best 50 are. Like if I landed them or if I got a meeting, right? those would be the best 50. And so by creating that hit list every week, which could be a pillar, you make the activity of, of scheduling, of prospecting more effective, if that makes sense. No, it does. Yeah, I teach a top 20 uh, list and managing your top 20 list. Uh, because obviously a week has five days. I feel like it's very, very, very easy to hit four people a day, four new people, five times four to give me my 20 list. And I think that's, you know, is a very, very vivid way to kind of break down the sales process. So I've got prospecting, I've got great meetings, uh, and then I've got retention. So pillars could fall into all these, but I'm, I'm seeing even further use of the pillar system. I mean, why could you not use this to have a happy a healthy relationship with your family, your spouse, you know, things like that. I think this could apply to someone's personal life as well. It 100% and just me personally, my pillars involve, I keep my personal and professional pillars together. Okay. Cool. I don't really, I don't delineate between the two because the habit that I've developed and the habit I encourage in the book is not to try to form all these million different habits, like making calls every week or working out or anything. Mm-hmm, if mm-hmm. you just develop the habit of pillar execution, well, anything on your list is going to get taken care of. So it's kind of like a super habit, right? Right. So for example, you know, I, I had a client, I'm trying to remember if I put this in the book or not. God, I had so many revisions, but you know, I had a client just like that, that wanted to do more with his family. And it was one of those things that Every once in a while, he'd look up and he'd say, oh, man, I have we haven't done much. Right. This year, I'm going to do more with my family. Right. And so he, he literally had a pillar. It's hysterical. He had a, a little another index card, what we call a reference document. He had another index card that basically listed a bunch of things he'd like to do with his family, like, you know, plan a long weekend or this or that. And he had all these things. And his only thing he had to do, his pillar every week, which took about eight point three seconds, <laughs> he just to cross it off, he just had to look at the card. Right. And, and if he looked at the card every week, everything else took care of itself. Because by looking at that card, he was reminded and then sometimes he acted on it and sometimes he didn't. That's great. But yeah, preparing meals, preparing meals, working out, creating a shopping list. These are all pillars that kind of have a bleed effect. Yeah. That Buy- if you do them, every, everything else takes care of itself. Buying flowers, you know, not yelling all the time, not being selfish. <laughs> you know, I think the list goes on and on uh, personally and professionally, you know, as well. Well, OK, so let's boil this down to some um, some takeaways uh, for uh, the listeners here of the of the podcast. When I'm hearing back from you and then I'd love for you to correct me, uh, please feel free um, to correct me if I'm wrong, is. Pillars are different for uh, every person. Everybody's pillars are potentially different, correct? 
Yes. Yep, okay. Absolutely. And so focusing in on the things that uh, either you're really good at now that you can replicate um, that would potentially create massive, massive and better results for you um, is 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 really, really an important piece of the puzzle. Yeah. Yep. And then also focusing in on things where um, you want to see some growth, you know, opportunities. Do you feel like people can can they just establish these on their own or do you feel like they would benefit uh, from having to be coached through the process of pillar creation? I, I think like most things, it depends. OK. Right. Um, the listen, I, the reason I wrote the book was so somebody could do it on their own. Perfect. Right. So someone could it walks through. It has all the steps. It has the questions to ask. You could even do it with a, you know, with a business partner or with a colleague if you needed to. And so if that's what you want to do, that's fine. But I think like most things, if you say, listen, doing this is going to help my business. But if you're the kind of person who says doing this is going to help my business in such a huge way, then, yeah, then if you want to get a professional to walk you through it or anything like that, you absolutely could. I mean, it really comes down to a return on investment, but I like to give people all the options. If they want to do it themselves, read the book, you know, and like anything, I think you need to read it a couple of times. I think I kept right. it short enough. Yeah, right? absolutely. No, I looked, you know, one of the I things- I have a worksheet, walks yeah. through how to do it. Yeah, when, one of the things that I like, and I tried to follow the same uh, format when, when I'm writing books as well, I don't want some book that looks like a textbook because I feel like salespeople in general- and we're all, you know, all of us listening to the podcast are salespeople. When I see Moby Dick or War and Peace in front of me, I don't, that to me doesn't get me excited. To me, that's like, <laughs> oh my gosh, you, you know, talk about daunting. When I saw the book and I see, you know, the, the size of the book and I see what's in the book and I'm like, okay, I can handle this. This is something that I can, you know, potentially digest. And I imagine um, from what you're saying that that was part of your intent as well. Oh, I, I will tell you what, it takes a lot longer, as you can probably imagine, to write a shorter book than it does a longer one. It does. And people that don't know this, um, you know, we've uh, Brian and I have been through writing books. It is like it is not fun. It is a hard, <laughs> hard process. And and then you see it being sold for twelve ninety five or whatever. And you're like, oh, my gosh, if they only knew how much work was there. All right. So um, breaking this down, if we're focused on the three pieces that I uh, teach most often, prospecting meetings and retention, if you're not um, able to drill into this, my thought would be, Brian, tell me what you think. On the prospecting piece, I'd be focusing in on creating a pillar based around sort of a, you know, a top 20 list would be for the folks that really, you know, you can't drill down to it yourself. My thought would be sort of focusing a pillar around that top 20 list would be my thought. Um, before we move on to that second piece, how do you feel about that, Brian? Is, for people that can't kind of come up with it on their own, is that yeah. a good pillar? Is that a good foundational focusing yeah. on sort of that top 20? I think if prospecting is an issue, then you probably have two two kinds of pillars. The first one would be the hit list, what you're talking about, right? Yep. Figure out who you want to contact, the best people, right? Yep. And then you know your top twenty list or however you uh, come up with the, with your data. And then the second part is the actual. You should probably have a second pillar of reaching out to you know reaching out a certain number of times a week. Right. Or you can measure connections as a predictable result. Yeah, it makes right? sense. Right. Conversations as a predictable result. Yeah, for sure. And then on that second piece, then I'm really big. My second piece that I like to preach on um, is, and people have heard on the podcast, is really focusing on having hosting really, really great meetings with your clients. So if you if you don't want to come up with your own pillars, which I think you really should, I like to focus in on success stories because I feel like success stories. Um, telling your new potential clients about how much your current clients love you, 
how your solution, whether it's media, software, technology, whatever, is solving their problems. I like to focus in on that success story piece. So I imagine that a pillar could potentially be coming up with the success stories, finding the best testimonials, practicing those. I mean, how do you feel, uh, and be honest, I mean, how, how do you feel about that as a, if someone doesn't come up with their own as a potential pillar to look at? No, it's, a, it's actually a very common pillar that I put in place for clients, which is effective messaging, meaning you need to be, and again, it depends on where their strengths and weaknesses are, but you need to put a certain amount of hours or a certain amount of time every week into effective messaging. And that can include, right, that can include creating your story, right? That can include asking for the business, right? Making sure you have a way that is effective to ask for the business. And then something I call a clarifying conversation where, you know, they, some, when someone tells you, yeah, it sounds good. I'm interested. I, I'll take a look at it. You know, kind of the blow off telling you what you want to hear answer. I believe salespeople, you know, entre- I, and when I say entrepreneur and salespeople, the, the line is pretty blurry, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. But, but you should have a clarifying conversation, kind of like a, 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 a choose your own adventure, depending on what they say, you say, and you should know that inside and out. And, right and that, that takes time. And so the pillar usually revolves around every week working on your messaging right till, till you've mastered it and you know it inside and out. Yeah, no, that makes sense. So that's, you got the prospecting piece, the hosting great meetings. And then the third piece for me that I'm really working with folks on is retention. Cause we know that, you know, keeping a client is so much easier than getting a new one. So perhaps, yes. um, a, a retention pillar might be, um, setting up things in place so that you're actively communicating with your current customers in non sales ways. Um, uh, sending uh, articles to them, business articles, uh, maybe reaching out to them to to thank them in a non-sales way, uh, sending handwritten thank you cards. Now, that kind of sending business articles and stuff, you talk about in the book about automating some of these pillars. You could, in that retention piece, I'm guessing, Brian, Brian you could use automation technology, autoresponders, e- mass emails to help reach that pillar of success, I would think. Of course. I mean, I mean, to me, pillars are about getting results, right? I mean, if there's one, if there's one thing you should get out of this book, it's forget activity. All right. It's about results. It's about being effective. Right. And yeah, I believe in your, you know, there's actually the case studies in this book. I don't know if you recall, but they actually talk about NSTs, non-sale touches, right? Mm-hmm. We're actually pillars that I put in place for some of these salespeople, um, to build the relationship. So, the not so for example with the non-sale touches okay there's a number of ways you could automate those um through the you know like you said the constant contacts you can automate right. but what i what i really mean in the book about automating and delegating is once you know what the right thing that has to be done every week is if you can leverage technology or you can delegate correctly to an assistant or to someone else, then by all means, do it. Right. Right. I mean, there's no, there's no points for figuring out the right thing to do and then saying, well, as long as I do it, I get to cross it off the list. Right. (laughs) Hey man, if it's the right thing to do and you can get someone else to do it, go for it. I mean, delegation, I'll be honest, is another thing pillars help with. Sure. Sometimes the hardest part of delegation is you're not clear what you want them to do. Right. 
And so you can help them with their pillars or help them complete your pillars, no doubt. Yeah. No, that's awesome. That's awesome. Well, friends, our, uh, our featured guest uh, today has been a book author and a strategy consultant, uh, Brian Margolis. The book is The Index Card Business Plan for Sales Pros and uh, Entrepreneurs. And um, Brian, I'd love for folks to uh, pick up a copy of this book. I know that I'm going to include it um, in the planning and strategy uh, sessions that, that I'm doing. What's the easiest way for folks to get in touch with you, buy the book and things like that? Yeah, I'll keep it simple. Productivitygiant.com is my website. So productivitygiant.com, just like you think it would be spelled. And, you know, you can get to my LinkedIn through there. You can buy the book there. You can contact me through there. Simplest way. Great information, Brian. Friends, I hope you appreciate that. Find his book online. Check him out. Productivitygiant.com. All right, before we get to Mark and Joy and Glenn's question, hey, if you're looking to outsource some of your simple sales tasks like data management, data cleanup, maybe you're looking for appointment setting, all kinds of different things, telemarketing, surveys, customer satisfaction, things like that, reach out to Brad, Mike, Kevin, the, the fine folks over at Open Look Business Solutions. Make sure you mention the Sales Training World podcast, mention Ryan Dorn, and they're going to take really, really good care of you. Ask them for a discount. Maybe they'll give you some type of discount by mentioning my name. <laughs> find them online, open-look.com. You'll find them online, open-look.com. All right, favorite part of the show, love this listener question. So Mark, Joy, Glenn, here we go. Send in your questions, ryan at ryandorn.com. Ryan at ryandorn.com, D-O-H-R-N is how I spell my last name. All right, Mark from Minneapolis, your question. Thanks so much for this, by the way. Uh, Ryan, do you have any CRM tips to save time? No matter the CRM that I've used, I always find that I'm having so much time spent with data entry. Any advice? Thanks so much. Mark from Minneapolis. You know, Mark, the first and foremost thing I want to share with you is every single sales pro that I know that's worth a darn uses their CRM tool to its fullest. So really recognize that if you want to be ahead in the sales game, you need to know your CRM inside and out. So get a lot of training, focus in on that training, but here's a huge tip for you. Use the app on your phone or use the dictation plugin on your computer. Every CRM, no matter who it is that you're using, is going to have an area where you're going to need to input notes into the CRM. Almost every CRM also has a mobile app. What I do is if I've got the app pulled up, I'm going to use the microphone icon on my iPhone. I'm going to load the app and load the contact record. I'm going to go to the notes box and put my cursor there, and then I'm going to hit the microphone button on my phone. And I'm going to dictate directly into the notes box on my CRM. Um, it saves me a tremendous amount of time. Also, I found at trade shows and things like that, it gives me the ability to take really quick notes into the CRM because I don't have big thumbs, but I've got fat enough thumbs that it's going to take a bunch of time. Now, I'm a Mac user. Um, I know that there's plugins for the PC as well on the Mac. Um, put the little cursor in the notes box. Hit the function key twice, function, function. That will launch the dictation tool built into the Mac. If you don't have it built in, it will download it for you. And then you can use uh, different tools like Dragon and things like that on the PC to dictate directly into the notes box on your CRM. That's my first big tip for you. Secondly, make it a daily part of activity. Leave that CRM open, either on two screens, uh, on a separate browser tab, or something like that, so that you can get back and forth quickly 
in and out of the CRM. Make it a part of your workflow. Here's what I don't suggest. Don't take notes on paper and then translate later into the CRM. Dictate those notes directly in. That's going to be vividly something important. All right, last but not least, learn the mailing list wizard within your CRM. Whatever CRM you use, they've got some type of way to mass email uh, your clients. You want to isolate clients based upon a category or priority and then use the mailing list mail merge feature inside of your CRM to send a very highly targeted and specific emails. So Mark, uh, use your CRM inside and out, whatever it is, learn it inside and out, and then use every feature to its absolute fullest. Absolute fullest. Good question, Mark. All right, next question. Joy from Fresno asking about time management. Joy's question, hey, Ryan, I'm really struggling with my time management skills. They are really lacking right now. Any advice on three or four things I can do every day to get the ball rolling in the right direction? Uh, Joy, great question. Constant struggle for all of us. So let me give you three pieces of advice I think uh, you will find very, very helpful. Number one, recognize that every email program, whether it's Outlook or Gmail, whatever you're using, has apps and tools that are typically not used to their fullest. Let me give you an example. In Gmail, there's an app that you can download called Boomerang. And Boomerang allows you to send emails at a very specific time of day, allows you to set reminders. These emails will come back to the top of your inbox. You can schedule replies and things like that. There's also apps for automation and Outlook as well. So what I found is that if I use these automation tools and these email tools built into the application, it allows me to streamline my email workflow in some pretty vivid ways. Number two, I really want you to wrap your head around time blocking. Time blocking are activities on your calendar that are repeated each and every day. For example, I've got a time block at 11 a.m. for prospecting and then a time block at 4 p.m. for prospecting. I have found uh, those two time of days are typically uh, the very, very best for me to prospect, 11 and 4. So I really focus in on time blocking, and I'd love for you to consider uh, that uh, piece uh, as well. Number four, I want you to recognize how much time is wasted by leaving your email open, or I guess number three, that I want you to recognize leaving your email open 24-7. What you're going to find out is this. You typically see an email come in, you think to yourself, hey, I can just respond to that real quickly. And quite honestly, that's not going to give you the very, very best bang for your buck. Typically, a 30-second interruption can take as much as two minutes to re-engage. So because of that, you're potentially losing 174 hours of work a year because most of us can't handle the fact that when our email dings, we've got to immediately respond to it. So recognize that most people can't handle that. Maybe you can, maybe you can't. I can't. So I've turned off my email pop-up and chime because I want to recognize that I really can't handle that. So for me, turning off your email pop-up and chime is another uh, great time management tool. You know, we need to talk more about time management. I'm going to find a time management expert uh, to bring him on the show. But Joy, those are the three main things that I might consider. So Joy from Fresno, good question. Thanks so much. All right, Albany, New York. Glenn, great question. Email strategy tips. Hey, Ryan, I'm not getting great replies to my emails anymore. Email marketing used to be very effective in my sales life, and now 
it's not. What am I doing wrong? Glenn from Albany. Glenn, I think it's important. Probably, you know, you need to send me some emails so I can analyze them if we were coaching uh, together. If you were coaching with uh, John or Clay from my team, we'd want to see some of those emails. But more than likely, what's probably happening is your emails are probably a little bit too generic and they're probably not being sent at the best time of day. So let's talk about not being in generic. What I typically am doing before I send an email to a prospect is I'm really focusing in on their LinkedIn page, uh, their company Facebook page, their company LinkedIn profile, uh, press releases on their website, things that I can read uh, online about them and things like that. So I'm reaching out to people and being highly specific to them or highly specific to their business. Um, I want to be able to prove some value to them early on. Can I save them money? Can I make their job easier? Am I working with one of their competitors that they potentially should ethically know about or something like that? The emails I'm sending are very specific. If I'm selling a product and I really believe it would be beneficial uh, to their manufacturing line, to their software tool set, whatever the circumstance is, I want to be as highly specific as possible. What I don't want to do is send out fact-finding emails. Hey, John, like to see if we're a good fit together. That kind of stuff is generic and people don't have time for it. I want to drill in and be highly specific. Hi, John, I saw on your website that you guys do dot, dot, da. I've got a way to potentially save your company thousands of dollars. Could we jump on the phone for a 15-minute chat? I promise, just 15 minutes. I take pride in not wasting people's time. And I think that's very important. One of the things I want you to avoid is opening an email with, I know your time is valuable. I want to value your time. Everyone does that. Everyone does that. So instead, I want to focus in very specifically on how I can potentially help them. Secondly, solutions is what I'm trying to, trying to say. Secondly is sending emails at the right time of day. So the reason that most people don't book meetings before lunch is because they don't want to interrupt lunch. The reason that most people don't book meetings before happy hour or going home at night is because they don't want to interrupt the end of their day or going home. So what I've noticed is those are two uncommon times for meetings. So because of that, I call an email at 11, 1115 in my client's time zone, and then I email again at 4, 415 in my client's time zone. So getting specific, Glenn, I think is really important. So ramp that up, amp that up, and then really focus in on times that are specific that you feel like maybe they wouldn't have meetings, and then monitor that. When you find the perfect time, rinse and repeat that. I think that's a vividly important piece of the overall strategy. Remember, sales is strategic. If you can be strategic, you will have much better success than those salespeople that are just generic and dropping two or three hundred emails out there each and every day. It happened to me just last week. A great salesperson named Richard reached out to me from a great product, and he was very specific to what I do and how he could help me with what I do. And so because of that, I gave him time. So that's great to question. Hopefully that's helpful. Uh, Glenn, Joy, Mark, thanks for your questions. If you've got a question you'd love to have featured here on the Sales Training World podcast, reach out to me, Ryan at RyanDorn.com. Ryan at RyanDorn.com. Of course, you can find all past episodes and archives of the Sales Training World podcast over at SalesTrainingWorld.com. 
looking to bring us in to speak at your sales event, you can find out more information there or go over to RyanDorn.com, D-O-H-R-N, RyanDorn.com. Love to come to your office. Love to come and motivate your sales team at your next big scale sales conference. We've done work in aviation, healthcare, the military, government, HR, media, Gosh, I'm forgetting something. Tractors, cars, you name it. The sales training world staff will come. We're funny. We're energetic. We'll bring some life to your next sales meeting. So reach out to us, and we'll be sure to take care of you there. And also, don't forget, reach out to the sponsors that make this podcast happen. Uh, Mike and Brad and Kevin, the great guys over at Open Look Business Solutions. They'll be your uh, number one source for all kinds of great things related to outsourcing. Whether it's telemarketing, customer satisfaction surveys, data management, data cleanup, you do it, you need it, they can help you with it. So reach out, open-look.com, open-look.com. All right, friends, that's the podcast for this month. My name is Ryan Dorn. I'm the founder of Sales Training World and the Ad Sales Nation podcast. Happy to have you along each and every month. Stick around, stay close. More great sales advice coming up next. All right, God bless. We'll see you out on the sales streets.